Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So, you know, lots of thoughts going on about where I want to go with the message today. You know, and I'm, I'm left with a gen, this basic and general idea, and, I, and I've got some notes, I have some passages that I want to read, but I just kind of wanted to encourage you to have faith and, and have a, a real life faith. You know, ha, have a faith that actually works for you. Have a faith that actually when things change, you don't forget that you're a Christian and you don't forget who God is and you don't forget everything that's happened in your life you know, up until now, have a real faith. Have a faith that makes its way into your everyday life. You know, have a faith where when, when, when it gets difficult, you don't start to question God. You know, it's just something that's been on my heart and on my mind. I'm watching, and it's not even necessarily related to what's going on with this virus. You know, I'm talking to people, um, Job loss, depression is on the rise, marriages are struggling. And, and if you're sitting there and you're having difficulties and your marriage or old habits have crept back up for you, go back and watch last week's message. You know, I want to encourage you in that. Don't forget that you're saved. <laughs> Don't forget that Jesus is for you. Don't forget the power of grace is alive. But this idea of, of actually having a real faith that works. I think really so many of us have a like a familiar faith, a familiar faith where we kind of settle into this idea of this is what I believe, this is my world, this is my life, this is who God is, and then when things change, we reevaluate. Now, it's part of the human psyche and thought processes, and, and, and even your brain, your, your entire physiology gets wired to think and move in a particular direction, and when things change, even your physiology has to change, you know? In, in the world of uh, habit formation of transformation. Even I, here's what here's what we need. If there are any neuroscientists out there that know that uh, ha- how to measure the results of brain chemistry and the neuroplasticity of the brain, and let's do a te- some test subjects of someone that starts to lean on the grace of God and experience transformation, and let's measure the actual physiological changes that happen. I think. It's a soulish thing. It's a mind renewal aspect, but there are physiological changes that a tipping point happens so that when you begin to actually believe, your whole physiology helps you believe and stay focused on the Lord. So it's like we become even hardwired to settle into the things that we believe. But I wonder what happens when stuff like what we're going through globally changes and, and it seems like everything in our life changes where does our faith go? You know, it's almost like faith is kind of the last thing. It's like we start, okay, what does my job look like now? What does my marriage look like now? What does my financial situation look like now? Oh yeah, what does my faith look like now? And it almost should, it should start with what does my faith? What does my faith inform me about all of these things that I'm going through? And is it real for you? Is it alive for you? You know, is, is, is your faith in Christ and who He is something that you can actually stand on 
dig your anchor into and use that as the thing that keeps you steady as you're sorting everything else out. You know, it's one of the reasons why I talk so much about identity because we go through changes and in those changes, we need to know who we are. We need to know who he is. We need to be able to hold on to who he is and not just grasping, you know, being tossed around, but actually living within the power of the identity that we have in him. Knowing that no matter what, he doesn't change and ultimately whatever does change externally, he will lead us through. You know, there's so many cliches that are being preached right now, and I, and I get it, you know, words fall flat for preaching an actual spiritual truth and reality, and so we're left with words, the foolishness of preaching, to try to convey this unintelligible truth about who God really is in our lives. So there's, you know, this existential transition that we're all going through and looking at what, what does life mean now, but I want to leave you with this idea I'm going to start the message now, but leave you with the idea of have a faith that really works no matter what. So I'm going to do something today. I'm not necessarily even going to teach. I, I kind of, I want to read through some passages. I want to read through these passages and, and I, you know, it's like I view preaching and, and oftentimes I view even the ministry of the Holy Spirit toward us. It's like that of an artist. So you know, an artist paints an image out of their heart. You look at the Renaissance and even pre and a lot of the religious art that's out there, and it's just incredible. You know, we had the opportunity to go to my family and I to uh, the Netherlands and preach, and then we went into Paris for a little while, went to the museums, and even the museums in Netherlands, went to Rembrandt's home, saw the area. Of course, they had it set up where he would have mixed his colors and everything and you look and, and then you go into the Louvre and you see where you see these masterpieces and it's interesting especially Rembrandt for me I don't know why but it just is for me I think because it's the, all the tones seem to be similar but when you look at the painting the longer you look at it the more you see and so that, that's where I'm going today is looking into God's word the same things that you've read over and over and over, but you look at it with the depth of appreciation for the artistry of who God is and the truth and the beauty that is packed into who He is and His Word, and you begin to see the depth, and this revelation comes out of it. You know, revelation is much like appreciation for art. You're staring at this painting, and it's like, oh, I didn't see that. Wow, look at that. I get how that... You know how that, you know, and some of you that are art people, art, you know, art appreciators, is that a word? Uh, you know, you get it. But you know what I'm talking about. You know, to having a real faith is very much tied to you being able to go into the Word and appreciate what's actually there. You know, to go into the Word and not just say, oh, well, I've read that before, or I know that, or my favorite preacher says this way about this, and what this passage really means is this. I, it's like, forget all that stuff, suspend all that stuff, and just let the Word be what the Word is. Appreciate what's in there, and let it speak to you. Let it, you know, see things in it that you've never seen before. So it's, instead of coming to it with all of our presuppositions, and all of our knowledge, and all the stuff, it's like, let's go to it with a, not, not a blank slate per se, but with just a an intention to, to go. You know, like when we were going to these museums, uh, my wife's an artist, Sarah paints, and she's really good, and she needs to paint more. I know you're watching Paint More. 
But it's like, I was, we were excited to go into these museums and go and, and look at these paintings. Of course, we got to see the Mona Lisa and you know, all these incredible uh, artists and their masterpieces and sculptures and everything, not just paintings, but you just stand there and you look at them and you think, you know. So you, you see it at face value and it's incredible. Then you think about how old it is and that's incredible. Then you start to notice the detail and that's incredible. Then you start to think about what time period these people lived in, you know, just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. And then you get something out of it. I'm going to, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. The, the show Parks and Rec, if you've ever watched that, it's, it's funny. It's probably inappropriate, but, you know, it's all right. It's funny. So my son and I were watching it, and there's, there's an episode in there where one of the characters, I think his name is Tom, gets a piece of art. I can't even remember the scenario, but he's looking at it, and he has an emotional reaction to the art. And he's looking at this piece of art, and he's like, oh my gosh, why am I feeling this? Have you noticed this? Does anybody else see this? Do you see the art? And he's talking about the shapes and the colors, and it, it's just, it's hilarious because it's like he is a shallow man, and he's having a reaction, an emotional reaction to a piece of art for the first time ever. <laughs> it's funny. Now, don't judge me if you go watch that show and think this is inappropriate, because it probably is. But anyway, it's a good example. But he has this reaction, and he goes and he tries to recreate the act, the the, the the reaction by getting the artist that he hired to paint this painting. Oh, that's what it was. They were trying to win some contest. He hired an artist to paint something for him. So he has this reaction. He goes back. Well, I'm taking a long time to tell this dumb TV story, aren't I? Get to the point. Point is, he tries to fabricate the same response and reaction and emotional connection that he had to this piece by getting the guy to do another one. And I think that's what we do with the Word. We go into it and we remember what's happened before and we, we, you know, the last revelation that we had or the last experience that we had in a conference and we just don't really live this active, now, present, everyday faith. I hope that's making sense to you. So here's where I want to go today. I'm going to read through this and, and honestly, I've been praying this and, and, you know, there's just so much prayer need right now. But I'm going to start in Ephesians, and then I'm going to jump over to Colossians. I actually want you to grab your Bible or open your Bible app and, and, and follow along. You can listen in the background. But So here's my prayer, and then we're going to jump into just kind of reading through the Word together. So here's the prayer. I'm going to start in Ephesians 1, and this is Paul praying for the church at Ephesus. I do not cease to give thanks for, and, I, and you know, just had this time this week where I felt like this was my prayer. I was, re, I'm really praying because people, you know, I, I'm in touch with a lot of people still. My prayer is that they hear from God. My prayer is that you hear from God. My prayer is that your faith becomes bigger than your fear. That your faith, that your that your dependency on the Lord and who He is is more real to you than any temporary situation that you might face, because that's true. I'm thinking about a particular situation. I'm thinking about a particular young man in my life right now. Not, not, it's a person that I know and where his heart is. But I know that the Word of God, if he would just open his heart, the power of the gospel can bring such a powerful transformation just from encountering the Word and the, the, the Spirit of God through the Word. And that, that's my hope. My hope is that we have a, an emotional reaction to the Word. 
My hope is that something catches us by surprise, that, that, we, that, we, that we guide our hearts toward Him and in the interaction of His Spirit, you know, that we feel the author of the Word. It's like when you're appreciating art, the art exists and you see that, but what you're feeling is the soul of the painter, the soul of the artist, essentially, what they've put in there, the, the emotion that they've tried to paint into this image. To me, that's like what preaching is. We're painting with a word picture, an image of God in hopes that you appreciate that and you interact with the essence that's behind what we're painting, that you have an encounter with God and not just an emotional response, but, but a real something that you know that you know that you know that you know that, that what the information that you know turns into a truth in your heart that you can live from like for the rest of your life. So Ephesians 1.16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Now, see, this is, it's kind of what, it's already starting to happen for me. You know, they're just, when you're, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through an exercise. I'm really just trying to read a prayer, but the, but the, what I want to this, uh, kind of set an example for you and invite you into, it's really kind of already happening to me. Boom, this thing came out of this phrase, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. The eyes of your heart. See, with these eyes, we evaluate the world. We take in stimulus. We take in what we see. It goes through our, all of our physiology into our mind and soul and, and then possibly even into our heart. In other words, where we believe. What we see out here in the world could ultimately shape what we believe in our hearts. And so your eyes, with your physical eyes, you're observing the world around you, but with the eyes of your heart, you're observing God. The eyes of your heart are looking into that spirit dimension, realm, that eternal place, that, that direct connection with the spirit of the living God is perceived. It's not, it's not perceived with your physical five senses. It's perceived with your spiritual senses. Your spirit has sight. Your heart has eyes. You, you can perceive interaction with the spirit of God. God is speaking. He has not stopped speaking. He didn't just write the Bible and then shut up. He's still talking. And he talks through his word. He's not going to say anything that contradicts his word. And you can read his word and then hear him say the same things that you're reading. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you've read the word, the Bible, and you just read it and you're done. I got my, done, I got my reading done for the day. But then sometimes you read two verses and you're, you're stuck there for an hour because it's like, it's just echoing. There's this thing happening. And I think in those moments, that's when the Word is getting planted. That's when your believer comes alive. That's when your capacity to, for your faith to reach and grab a hold of that life, that essence, that, that living water that Jesus said would be in us. These aren't just metaphors. These are He's trying to paint a picture to you that there is life that He puts in you that comes up out of you. And one of the ways that you can step into that flow of water and that flow of life that He's put in you by His Spirit is doing this process that we're about to walk through together, just engaging His Word and letting it, you know, just letting it, the aroma of it, 
settle within you without trying to think that you know the proper doctrine and what does it, you know, what does it mean and who are they right? You know, there are so many different ways to read the word, and we do want to expose it, expository preaching, knowing the audience, proper exegesis, all that stuff. But sometimes you look at it as even art and poetry and, and, and mystery and an invitation to just have a communion with the Lord. So having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Man, that is, that is my prayer for you, that you know what you're called to. That you know, that you know, that you know, that you know those assignments that God has for you. It may be something that you start and you move forward in for the rest of your life, or it may just be something that you do for a couple of weeks. You know, there's so many different assignments that He has for us. So that your hearts be enlightened, that you know what is the hope? And of course, the hope that you're called to is also salvation. I just can't help it. I'm, I can't help but teach. I'm supposed to just read this prayer and then go into what I think I'm going into, but it's just, it's just jumping out at me. So, <clears throat> what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints uh, that you would know because of the eyes of your heart are enlightened? That what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? according to the working of His great might. And this is an active thing that's really going on, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name, every authority, every, everything that has any kind of power. His name is above all of that, not only in this age, but also in that to come. Now, see, that's why it is important to have knowledge and, and study and listen to teachers and all of that kind of stuff because you get it's enriched, so you, you let that sit within your heart and in your mind, and then when you read, all of that stuff does come out and it informs what you're doing in that moment. But then hopefully, you know, so you might look at a painting and appreciate, well, how Rembrandt used specific colors, and, you know, he was, if you look at his paintings, they look dark. But if, but if you look deeper into it, there's a lot of depth and a lot of life and a lot of, a lot of interaction happening and a lot of emotion. Even though at first glance it looks dark and monotone, you know, monochromatic, you, the more you look, the emotion comes out of it. And then you start to see these highlights and it just, it just you, you gain an appreciation that, that, at a, that at a, you know, a quick glance you don't get. And, and I'm, I'm really encouraging you in this time, take the Word of God and sit with it. Appreciate it. Let it speak to you. Let it evoke emotion within you. Because that's the part of abiding in it and His Word, not just the Bible abiding in you, letting it abide in you, but the, the living aspect that is behind the essence of these words that have been communicated to us. So here's what I want to do. I'm just going to read through Colossians, and we'll, we'll see how far we go. We'll just kind of have fun with this exercise. But here's a homework assignment that you might want to try. And, and collectively, we're going through the book of John. I actually haven't posted in our Facebook group about the book of John. I think I might be a couple days behind on my reading with John, but I hope that you're keeping up with that. And if you haven't, it's, it's pretty easy to jump in there and, and catch up in the book of John. We are in the, the um, version Bible app. 
Um, the link is posted in our Forward Church online group if you want to get in there and catch up. And there is some dialogue going, but even as you read through that, I want you to add this. So, so here would be your homework assignment for this week and the upcoming days. And you can pick whatever book you want. I would suggest Colossians. And go through Colossians. And uh, so, he, so here's the suggestion. Here's the homework. Read it and then write down your own synopsis. Not, not necessarily a book report, but like do it one chapter, maybe even one section at a time. So read chapter one, and it's broken up into sections. You know, there's, it, there's the greeting, and then there's some doctrine and teaching, and he goes through and he talks about different things in there, which we're going to read through. So you'll see the sections, but, but read it, and if you notice that it's transitioning to a new section, you know, make note of that. It's almost like you're going to create your own commentary for a, a book in the Bible. And so, but here's what I, here's the goal is to, can you get the concepts out of it? Do you actually understand what's being said in a conceptual real life kind of way? You know, not some kind of hidden secret doctrinal meeting at face value. What does this mean for me? So in other words, here's the exercise. Read these passages. Uh, Colossians or Ephesians would be a good, you know, either one of those books to do this with. And then just and keep a notebook with you or however you write. If you've got a note app, write a synopsis of what you've read. So read chapter 1 and write a synopsis. This is what he said. These, this, is, this, is, this is what it means here. Not necessarily what it means, but you know, this is what's trying to be said. It's almost like you're gonna, not creating your own translation, and I'm not asking you to dig in and do a bunch of deep study, but read it and then imagine that you're turning to someone else and you're telling them what you just read. I don't mean memorize it and quote it chapter and verse. If you can do that, that's fine. That's not the goal here. The goal is read it and then be able to turn and tell somebody else what you just read. And you might even practice that. If, if you want to get serious about this, practice that with people in your home, with your kids, have your kids do that, whatever. But you, if you don't do that, write it. So read it and then turn and write it and just see. What is this, you know, can I... Can I communicate back? Because what's that, what that's going to do is it's going to change how you hear it because you're going to listen to be able to explain it to somebody else, maybe even yourself, but it, but it just changes how you're reading it. You're just trying to get the main concepts out of it. All right, does that make sense? I don't know if you've ever done that before. A lot of you might do that. In fact, if you, like in, in a, you know, um, rabbinical culture, that's an exercise that they do. It's like, take this, read this, and then explain to me what you just read. And that actually, that, so once a, I'm kind of jumping ship here, but I'll, it's, it's interesting. The disciple that would be called to follow a rabbi, the rabbi has the capacity or the authority to bind and loose scripture, meaning take scripture, read it, and then teach it. That was part of his binding and loosing of Scripture, wrestling with Scripture, dialoguing with people. And then um, if you had the capacity to go through all the rabbinical training, you got what was called the, the keys to the kingdom or the keys to Scripture, and you could then pass that and somebody, another rabbi would qualify. I'm not telling all the details exactly right, but then they would be able to bind and loose Scripture for themselves. In other words, have the authority to teach on their own. So it's, a, it's an exercise that is deep, rich tradition, is reading Scripture, 
then communicating it back in your own words, in your own understanding, in your own conceptual capacity of learning. Does that make sense? Well, this is so tricky. I got three people, four people in the room here. And, you know, when you got crowds, it's like, all right, we're good, we're good. That person's not, let me explain it. And I got two red dots back there. And anyway, quit whining, keep preaching. Here we go. So I'm not asking you to do that right now. In other words, read it and then communicate it back. I want you to go do that on your own. But what I want us to do today is read through this and just appreciate what's being said. Read it from the perspective of what am I noticing, what stands out to me. And, and, and if, if you get stuck, so if we start to read this and something stands out to you and it just opens up and you feel like the Lord is speaking to you, get a notebook, write it down. I'm telling you, capture the inspiration and put that inspiration into practice because it can change your life. You can very simply just start reading the Word of God and miss the opportunity to hear directly. You know, it's, it's crazy because we go to the Word of God trying to hear God, but then we ignore Him when He starts to speak because we think, oh, that's just my thought. Or, Pay attention. Those little things, let it, let it bubble up. Trust yourself that you're going to hear God. You're not necessarily going in there to try to have an encounter. You're just walking in. You're happy to be there. You're going to look at these paintings. You're going to appreciate it. And if you have a response to it, you pay attention to it. And you appreciate it. And you look deeper and deeper and deeper. That's what you do. You have a relationship with this living word. You, you, you have a relationship with the written word so that it will become the living word within you. So let's start Colossians 1.1. And I'm in the ESV. Um, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Always brings peace. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Now, Here's the thing that you learn about Paul. He will start one idea and then, buh, 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 buh. you know, he's, he's a preacher because he will rabbit trail himself even, but then he kind of brings it back around. So you kinda, sometimes you got to go back and read what he said and follow. Okay, so he started this idea here and then he says it and now he's kind of off on this. And then, he, okay, now I see how that wraps back around the whole idea and how that all flows together. Because what we tend to do is we lift one little thing out Make a whole doctrine out of that, and it's really kind of out of context of the bigger picture that he's saying. Very easy to do with Paul. In fact, Peter even said, Paul's kind of under, hard to understand. I have a hard time understanding his writings. I mean, Peter said that. So, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. Yes, yes, yes. So for me, the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. Well, do you believe that? Do you believe that His Word is actually bearing fruit in the whole world and increasing? Or is the doom and gloom purveyor, are the doom and gloom purveyors shadowing what and making something like that hard to believe? The Word of God is increasing. The kingdom of God is increasing. See, here I go. So let's keep going. 
as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so for the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That stands out to me, spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding, not mystical, not what's going on over there in that heaven dimension, but spiritual. When I, when I think of spirit, I think of life essence. So, so what's inside the being animating the being, the spirit, the essence, the core, the root of what, what that is, not the mystical dimension of angels and all of this stuff going on over here. It, it's that too. It is all of that. All of that is real and it, and it, and it exists, but there's a spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom says that he will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory, exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think. That's spiritual wisdom. Like I, I have understanding. See, there, knowledge is knowing some information. Wisdom is the application of information. Spiritual wisdom is the application of spiritual knowledge. What do you know of God's Spirit? God's Spirit is a provider. How does that happen? Don't let yourself go there. Don't, don't, don't look at the Word with the eyes of your heart and then immediately click back over to the eyes in your head to try to make it make sense. you got to let the eyes of your heart look at it, let it grow within you, and then it manifests into your life. It's just the way that it is. You can't jump back and forth between spiritual and carnal knowledge. So that just came out. Like just reading that right there, that, it, boom, that just came out. That's revelation. Like I don't know that I've ever really even said it that way, and I don't have it prepared in my notes to have taught that, but that's what it looks like. I just learned for myself right then reading and then opening my mouth and teaching, teaching it back out that when you're reading with the eyes of your heart, don't flip back to the eyes in your head. Somebody write that down. I need to write that down. <laughs> oh, good, we're recording it. Do you, do you see? Okay. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to think about that. I'm not going to let that one go. When I'm reading your word, I'm not going to try to limit and, and bring it down to my carnal understanding. So let's go back and read it again. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled or under the influence of, filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Yeah, I see it, Lord. The spiritual wisdom. I am filled with spiritual wisdom. Not just spiritual knowledge, but spiritual wisdom. In other words, how to apply belief into spiritual wisdom to see. And so then I'm reminded, Jesus said, whatsoever you pray, those things you've asked for, believe that you have received and they will be yours. This is something that he keeps bringing up into my heart and into my life and into, into the teach, which then gets spilled out into these teachings. When you pray, that's where this spiritual wisdom realm happens. 
Believe that you have received. So here's what we need. We need wisdom in the promise from Christ that when you pray, whatever you pray, Mark 11, 24, believe that you have received and it will be yours. Between have received and will be yours is spiritual wisdom. How do I apply faith and belief in between believe that I have received and it will be mine? Believe that He's already given it to me, but it will be mine. I'm in, in the middle, in that place of standing between I've, I've, he's, been, he's given it to me, but it will be mine is the place of faith, is the place of standing and trusting, is the place of that spiritual wisdom. Learning how to apply belief and faith in the midst of believe. Well, what did he say? He said, when you pray, believe. What is believing? It's trust. It's confidence. It's knowing. It's, it's a trust in who he is. Not in me. Not in the world changing for me, but in who God is. I mean, so, you know, this is, this is how I read the Word. I just go through this, and this is, this, then the sermons come out of it. So, I don't know. It's not a secret. I hope you learn from this, but this is, this is how my sermons come. If, if, you're, if you've ever wondered, people that listen and pay attention, well, how did he come up with that? Well, this is what I do. I read, and it's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me write that down. And it's, and it's just, <laughs> just making sense? Okay, let's keep going. All right, so, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I get it. I got it. So when I'm in that place of interacting with that spiritual wisdom, I'm seeking to apply faith, it's important that I walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I don't want to go off into, I want to protect I want to protect that place. I mean, what if I jump, you know, had some temptation and which disrupted the last five minutes or however long that was that I kind of stared off into space and went through my own little spiritual wisdom revelation thing. What if I had not? Okay, you see what I'm saying. Guard, guard that process. And so let's say that I've lived immorally or made bad decisions or feeling guilty or I'm just not you know, I'm at a, in a place of condemnation because of behavior or how I've spoken to my children or whatever kind of decision that I've made when I do sit down to read the Word. What if it's the guilt and the condemnation that's in there speaking to me? It's going to override my sensitivity, sensitivity to the Lord. It's going to override my... That, that guilt and condemnation will sit in there and, and I'll be listening to it. And then you got to weed through all that stuff, sort through all that, get it all out, and then you, then you get down to, oh, okay, now I feel better. Oh, now I'm at the Word. Oh, wait, i got to go to work, you know. So walk worthy, not to gain, not to gain wisdom and revelation, not to gain favor, not to earn righteousness, not to get more holy, but to protect that environment in you, your heart where the Spirit of God lives and where His Word, His Logos, has been planted. Walk worthy of that calling. Walk upright. Don't let your behavior steal the opportunity for you to have revelation from the Lord. That's what happens as we desensitize and dull our hearts so much. We sear our conscience. We harden our hearts. And it, we cut ourselves off from the very thing that it brings life to us. 
Which Revelation, by the way, I don't know if I said this, but Revelation is not when God decides to tell you something new, per se. There, there is an active, in-the-moment interaction with God where He is speaking to you. But Revelation is not when it's like, okay, I think they're ready to know this information. It's not like God says, okay, now you're ready to know this information. It's like when your heart is able to see it. That's Revelation. When, you're, when your heart is, when you will let yourself see something. God's given you everything that pertains unto life and godless. You have the mind of Christ. He is not withholding anything from you. The spirit of the living God is in you, searching your heart to bring about his will and intent. Everything that he knows is already in you. He's not withholding it from you. He's not waiting till you reach a certain level to give you the information that'll change your life. It's on you. Live in such a way, engage in such a way where you are appreciating the word because I promise you, life-changing things will come out of it. Man, all right, here we go. So, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. It's His might, it's His power. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Qualified. This is another one that just arrests you. I give thanks to you, Father. You have qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13. Now, this particular verse means a lot to me. This particular verse, uh, if you know my story of, of coming out of, you know, not really being raised in a Christian home, and we, my parents were Christians, didn't really go to church, wasn't a lot of knowledge teaching there, uh, ultimately just didn't really grow up with it. Certainly was not a Christian in my teen years when I got into substance abuse and all of that, ultimately began this, you know, several years into it, uh, had an encounter with demonic entities. This one particular night started hearing voices and, and everything, the voices telling me that I was about to die, you're about to die, you're about to die, here it is, you're dead. And then from there on for six months, hardcore, 100% convinced that I was dead and in the first layer of hell, and then six months in that hadn't started to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, really a little bit before that, but there was something at the six-month period which changed. But for about a year, I walked around believing that I was dead and in hell. Questioned it the second six months, but the first six months, it totally embraced the reality of it. And didn't know about this, and ultimately through um, my first pastor, well, even, even before that, but... This was something that my first pastor, um, David Michael at Faith Cornerstone, majored on. And, and when I got a hold of this, it just it changed my life. You know, Because people will read my story. In fact, I was just talking to Brenda. Hey, Brent, Will and Brenda. Y'all don't know if y'all are watching right now, but Brenda was reading my... So it's a book called Devil Walk. I'm going to rabbit trail for a minute, y'all. All right. Devil Walk, I tell this story. And so I just talked to her recently. She's like, I, I read your book and... Um, 
gosh, I didn't, you know, it was like, I can't remember exactly what, but I didn't know you went through that. That's a really heavy situation. And it was. And if you read it, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I think back to think that that's what I really believed and that was my life. And that was such a tra traumatic, defining moment in my life. But yet to have completely come out of it now where I can tell the story and it, there's no fear, there's no sense of dread or, oh, you know, that if you've gone through a period where you, well, anyway, let me keep going. So I believed that it was too late for me, that I, in fact, was already dead, was in some version of hell, that, it, that, it, that I was hopeless and there was no chance for me to be saved. And so when I started having these encounters with the Spirit of God and, and Jesus, who I ultimately realized Jesus was just walking me through this by loving me and not condemning me. I mean, really, that, that was the first encounter that I had with him. But then I get over this because I believed that that was it. I was going to spend eternity cut off from the Father because of me. Now, let me just say this. There are people out there challenging the idea of hell and this and that. If you want to challenge whether or not it's eternal conscious torment, that's fine. You know, he's a merciful God. It is within Orthodox Christianity to believe annihilationism, that the soul is extinguished and you don't live forever, or eternal conscious torment. Either way, there is an eternal separation from the Father without Christ. Now, people... Gosh... <laughs> I just, I, when you have an encounter like what I had and you actually face death and you encounter that demonic realm and you, you, you see yourself clearly as if you're facing death, everything becomes crystal clear. And you just, you just know. You just know the truth in a moment like that. Everything else, all this world goes away and you see reality for what it is. You see truth. And I knew I deserved I did not deserve to be with him. It was totally reasonable that I would be cut off from him because of the kind of being that I was, how I'd lived my life, the fact that I did not have Christ. <clears throat> so when I read, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness or the power of darkness and translated or transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. But just this idea, and you, you know, if you listen to me pray, you watch, you're here in this church, you hear, I say this all the time because it's so personal to me. We have been delivered from the power of darkness. And, and, and trust me, I don't know if you've ever really faced darkness. I have, and it's dark. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is, the darkness that this is talking about is a despair and a hopelessness, and a fear, and a dread. And when it talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth, I get it. I know what it's talking about. The darkness that Jesus saves us from, it is beyond description, and it is horrible, and it is real. And so for me, this is so personal. personal. It means so much to me that He has delivered me from that darkness. See, for me, this was, a con this was a concept that I had experienced before I ever even encountered this scripture. A and I realize a lot of us, 
know the scripture, but, have, but it has not yet come, become conceptual for us. So in other words, it's not a real world scenario, practical thing that we live in, and then we find out the scripture. We read the scripture and we're trying to make it real for ourselves. And I think if you will go through this process and read scripture this way and let it become conceptual for you, where you get it, you can turn and explain it, and you're not trying to learn chapter and verse, but it's alive for you. So let's keep going. In whom we have redemption for the forgiveness of sins. He, so then, so then, so then he goes into who Jesus is, the preeminence of Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one above everything, has all authority in heaven and earth. This is a description of who he is. If you want to build your Christology, build it on something like, build it on this section here. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. That is such a huge concept. I don't think for a second that our carnal brains can really understand what that's saying. We come up with a whole bunch of things. You know, I've heard it said that, okay, God took Jesus like he's a ball of clay, and then he took some of that and he created everything with it. So therefore, when Jesus came into the world and provided redemption and ascended back to the Father, since everything was created from Jesus, then everything has been redeemed and restored. You don't know that. You're just making that stuff up. You can't say that you know that that's what that means. You don't know what that means. There's some things that we're told in here that it's like, unless you've been to heaven and you sat and you've looked at all of creation from that perspective, you don't know what that means because it's talking about in heavenly places. Welcome to Bible reading in the buyer's household. I have every good intention a lot of times to sit down and read an entire book and get halfway through a chapter. And I'm like, you know, two hours later, I'm like, I got 12 sermons out of this. Which one am I going to preach now? You know, it's... <clears throat> and he is before all things. In him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body. That's us, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Glory to the Lord. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Wow. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in your mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of his flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. Now, if, if you've listened to many of my messages, you'll, you know that I go through quickly, often, 
Jesus choosing to allow himself to get arrested, becoming arrested, remaining silent in his hung jury and trial, willingly allowing himself to be nailed to that cross. You know, I even have this image, and, and a lot of that comes out of this. I just have this image of him willingly laying his hand down onto that cross and looking at that soldier that was about to drive a stake through his arm and looking at him, and whether he said it or not, had to be thinking it, I'm doing this for you. Being hoisted up on that, becoming the curse, the full wrath of God towards sin, being born and absorbed into the body of Christ as that atonement for once and for all sacrifice for sin, and he took it all. And he died the death that we deserve, and he passed through the grave, and in the grave conquered death with his own faith and then rose again with his own blood, it says in Hebrews. Passed into the heavenly, had a brief conversation with Mary Magdalene by the empty tomb on the way up, was why things why he said, don't touch me. This is a culture, sacrificial thing. So he sends up to the heavenly holy of holies as if you know what's going on there. Like to make all these decisions... All right, let me keep going. He's up there with his own blood making atonement for the sin of the world in his blood. The blood that's sprinkled, the blood of Christ that he takes into heaven with him and sprinkles in that place that had been defiled by the accuser of the brethren. This is all in Hebrews. Go read it. And, and, And what's he doing? He's cleansing that place. For humans to be able to step in that place through his own blood. And then he turns to the world. I'm still on this. I hadn't distracted myself. Colossians 1.20. He turns to the world and he offers the free gift of salvation in his blood because he paid the price for the atonement of sin for all who would come through him. And then when we come through him... That blood cleanses us. That sacrifice cleanses us. It removes our sin from us. He puts His Spirit within us. He removes the root of sin out of us, the dead heart, that heart of stone. He's about to go into that in Colossians 2. There's a circumcision performed on us without hands. He takes that dead heart out. He puts a new heart in. It's like He puts a a new you in there. That is the new creation reality. And and this is the picture that I have. After all of that, I see Jesus picking you up, turning back to the Father, walking into the very presence of God and doing this. He presents you blameless and holy above reproach. Unblameable, unreprovable, holy, perfect in His sight. And to think that you can then do something to add to that holiness or as if you contribute to the holiness that that beautiful picture creates, that He scooped you up and He says, look what I've done, Father. I have made them holy. I have made them blameless. That's what it's saying there. He presents you blameless. if you continue in the faith. So again, there's paradoxical warning here. There's not a warning that you're going to sin your way out of it, but you better keep believing. You know, I I believe once saved, always saved. However, 
This seems to say keep believing. Paradox, right? People ask me, can you lose your salvation? Well, based on this, you're in that place. I guess if when you're laying in the arms of Jesus and you're marveling in the fact that He has completely cleansed you and made you holy, and you are, ex- it's like that's the covenant, right? The, between the Father and the Son, they have upheld this covenant. And, and you are included into it because you've said yes to Jesus and you're in the arms of, the, of Christ who then steps into the Father and you are in there and one with Him. I guess you could say, I don't think I want to be in here anymore and step right on outside the Father because it does say, if indeed you continue in the faith. Now, it's not talking about if you do right or if you walk worthy or any of that kind of stuff. It's not behavior related at all. You would have to, in the presence of the Father, say, I don't want to believe anymore. And I think people might, can get to that place because they harden their hearts. Because we, we look with the eyes in our head so much rather than the eyes of our heart to, to appreciate this position that we're in with Jesus. I'm telling you, the transformation that you need to experience comes from sitting in that place, in this place of knowing what Jesus did, that you are unblameable in that place. And it creates such a deep connection between you and the Father that you, 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 want, to, you want to preserve the holiness of your identity. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. What is the gospel? That you're in that place, accepted in Him. That you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, I, so he changed the subjects a little bit, talking about his experience in the world. I rejoice in my suffering. So it's like, you know, when that's your reality, when you're in that place and you see yourself with, between the Father and the Son and you're protected and you're holy and you're blameless and then you, and then you look to the world and you're like, oh yeah, suffering. Oh, they're, they're trying to kill me. I'm shipwrecked and they're imprisoning me and they've stoned me. Man, it just doesn't even compare to this place that I'm in with the Father. It's just, it's like, ah, uh, so I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I'm filling up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the... Stu- you know, it's almost like he's so connected to that spiritual reality that he's like, ah, uh, then it pours back in and his body living in the... He identifies with the body of Christ to the degree that he sees himself living out the full work of Christ in this earth. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known to you. The mystery hidden from the ages and the generations. So then Paul gets poetic here. <laughs> it's kind of, you got to start following him again. The mystery hidden from the ages and the generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Side note, how he says God chose to make him known uh, uh, to them. God chose them is the Israelites. When it talks about the chosen and the elect, it's always talking about the Israelites. They were the chosen people of God. 
Then God decided through Christ that He could also save Gentiles and wanted to save Gentiles. That's what He's talking about in Romans 9. God can do whatever He wants to do. And what He wants to do is save Gentiles. And here's the illustration of how He can do whatever He wants to do. Look at Pharaoh's life. That's a whole other sermon. So this, is, this is where it goes. This is, this is what happens. And then i got to narrow down. Okay, I'm not going to preach that. I'm going to preach that. Preach that. <clears throat> to them God has chosen... All right, so... Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his. Uh, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. So, though, so like normally I would go through this process and then refine all that down and pick a couple things out that I feel like the Lord really highlighted to me and then come in and teach those things. Um, but I just really felt like He said, go through, show the process, take some time to show people how to gain an appreciation for the Word, how to read through it in an animated fashion, even not just looking at what the words say, but giving yourself an opportunity to appreciate what's there so that it creates something within you. And, and that, that is a life, that, that, is a, that is nourishment for your soul and the rest of your being. Healing can come out of this. When you see that you're forgiven, when you see what the blood of Christ has done in your life, that's, that's, where, that's where these manifestations and these fruits then happen. See, and so what I, what I, the bottom line of what I want to leave you with today is that it's these encounters that you're trying to have with God, the promises that you're trying to experience, the prayers that you're trying to offer up to Him, to receive from Him what He's already given you, and we're looking at and we're trying to interact with Him, we're trying to experience Him and see all of these things. We know that His promises are yes and amen. We know that He's given us everything that pertains unto life and godliness so that we'd be a partaker of His divine nature. Like we know that stuff, but how do we experience it? For me, this is how I experience it. It's like I know those things, but I'm not necessarily trying to pray to get them to happen. I'm trying to live within the reality that I am in Him. And I want to, go to, the, I want to live in the place where that stuff's already true. right? I want to live in that place of spiritual wisdom where everything that I ever feel like I need to experience from Him is already true, and I want to sit in that place. I'm in the arms of Jesus between the Father and the Son, and they are marveling at the work of Christ in a human together, and they are looking and they are rejoicing in and of themselves of the plan of salvation to bring a family into that eternal realm. And, and you sit in that place, and everything comes from that place. Not, not the visual of that per se, but, but I feel that. It means something to me. It's real to me. I believe that that's where I am. I believe that He did that for me. And so when I go to that place, that's where I need to go to pray. You know, you sit in the place where it's already true and then remain faithful, remain patient and hopeful, and you watch, it will bear fruit. It will grow out into your life. Do you want to know how? It's like a farmer. It's like you're casting seed. You're sitting in that place. You're letting that grow. You're not going to let fear and worry and doubt and shame and guilt and condemnation creep in and strangle that process and choke the word out from bearing fruit into your life, you know? 
You don't want to go out there and fold your plants over and tie a big rubber band around them and then wonder why they've taken so long to grow. That's what condemnation and fear and worry, it, it cripples the process of sitting in the place that is already true so that it becomes a reality in your life and in your world. You can, you can do that by engaging the world and having that, the word and having that appreciation come alive. Well, I, I hope that that was a, you know, I hope you got something out of that. So just to kind of recap, I would go and take Colossians or Ephesians and just go through the process that I just did, you know. Go through and, and first read it and then try to articulate it even back to yourself, you know, either writing or even speaking it out just to see that you get the concepts out of it. But then as you read through it again, when you feel that, mm, that rising, right, that moment of inspiration, let, don't, 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 don't restrict that process. Give it an opportunity. Look a little bit deeper. Sit, be still, acknowledge Him. See where it goes. If your thoughts go toward doubt, it's like, well, if your thoughts go to, okay, well, I see this, and I'm willing to have a little bit of belief, but how do I get that into my life? Don't go there. Don't go to the place of how do I get this to work. Just appreciate the picture of what it's saying so that it builds a hope and a faith within you that makes the stuff that you need to change possible. Right? That's what you're trying to do. You're just trying to get to a place of, of believing that, that all things are possible not the how. The wisdom stuff comes, you know. The wisdom comes in the daily. If you can get into that place and you let those moments impact you, then the choices that you need to make come out of that. Like you're probably not going to sit down and pray and hear step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Not because God's withhold. You know, people say, well, if you showed you the whole picture, you, would, you wouldn't be able to. People make that stuff up too. He, he would absolutely show you the whole picture if you could let yourself see it. It's just unbelievable to you, so you don't let yourself see it. You know, don't, don't go into prayer immediately. It's kind of like going to the, like putting a tomato plant in the ground. I, I use tomato plant a lot. Right? Okra plant in the ground, going inside, sleeping, coming out the next day and looking at it going, where's the okra? That's kind of like what we do with our prayer lives. Don't sit down thinking you're going to walk out instantly with a solution. Now, you might if you have taken the time to sit within the Word of God and, and let Him minister to you up until that point. But if you're just starting to plant the seed, you got to appreciate it. you got to, you know, you got to sit in the garden and enjoy the birds and the trees and, and, and be thankful for the surroundings and marvel at how the rain falls and nourishes the roots and how it grows and the plant takes on carbon dioxide and puts out oxygen. You, uh, you appreciate all of that. That's what you're appreciating out of the Word of God, the process. And you better put it in now because you're going to need it. And if you're trying to eat the fruit of what you need right now, like if you're planting seed now and you're trying to eat the fruit tomorrow, you will forever be disappointed. I think that's why we have so many immature Christians because we don't think long-term. We're not patient. And I'm going to keep preaching if I keep preaching. <laughs> It just, it just keeps going. I, I, it's, it's exciting to me. I love it. The Word is never flat and dead to me. In fact, sometimes I have to 
just lay it down because it just keeps going for me. And, and, it, and it's changed my life. It has just changed my life. I'm, I'm telling you, if you knew me and, 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 those, and you as well, I know, I know. I know you've had these experiences. So I think I explained the homework. Take it, read it, conceptualize it, speak it back, write it down, but then also go back through and just take your time. So I'll use my own revelation here in this to find to the last point. When you're reading, look with the eyes of your heart. Dream a little. Let, let yourself get that spiritual picture. Let yourself get excited by looking at the Word with the eyes of your heart into that spiritual dimension not trying to see angels or body parts on the left of God's throne. or that. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the conceptual inspiration that rises up of what His Word looks like in this life. But when you're reading and the eyes of your heart are getting excited and you're seeing it and you're feeling it, it's becoming believable, don't let the eyes in your head then look to this world thinking, well, what does it look like here? I can start to see what it looks like with these eyes. Now, what does it look like here? Boom, you've lost it here. I'm starting to feel it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now let me look and see if it's out here. Oh, wait, I don't see it there, so it must not be true here. Like, don't go back and forth between spirit and carnal. Stay in spirit, that place where everything's possible because it will grow up within you and you will, it'll shape how you think and see and pray and believe and feel toward God and understand. And, and, then, it, and then it grows out into your life. The Word will grow out into your life. It just does. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the, that it's alive. Thank you for your spirit. Amen. Well, <clears throat> I hope you got something out of that. I hope it adds to your time with the Lord. And I hope it adds to your scripture reading. And, you know, I, I, I will say also too, and, and I, I believe this, that if... If a ministry adds value to you, if you learn, if you're growing, you sow back into it. You know, finances are a great way to do that. I don't want to just end trying to get in your pocket now, but I want to give you the faith. I want to give you the opportunity to exercise your faith through your finances. And, um, you know, a lot of you are watching from all over the world. You don't have a church. Some, sometimes people watch these and they're like, well, they got other people that are supporting. And we do, you know. We're fine. The Lord is uh, incredibly faithful, and we know that, and we know how to follow Him. So I don't talk about finances out of need, really. I talk about it from the perspective of, uh, you know, we want to get this gospel out. People, just even the simple thing about knowing how to read the Bible. Like, I would love to sit and record going through the entire book of Colossians and doing what I just did. I mean, would that be helpful for you? I've got, you know, my pastor Jim Richards in Huntsville is wanting me to help him re-record some of those courses and classes. And it, it takes finances to produce all of that and get everything in place and pay the people that we have and, and all of that stuff to prepare to put out these resources. You know, so if you're watching and you're a part of this church, give. If you're watching and you're a part of this church remotely, give because we got stuff to do. So I appreciate your generosity. Um, I see that the slide is up there. You should probably be able to see that now, forward.church slash give. You can text your, the dollar amount that you want to give, text it to 84321. And um, those, those are really the two main ways that we have 
Of course, you can still send in your cash or check. And hopefully, we get to meet again pretty soon. You know, I think we're, I've, I've heard that where some states are starting to uh, phase into opening some things. I forget which state it was, but they're going back to their church services, being able to have at least 10 people there and stay six feet apart. So we're, we're going to look at that. If our governor does that, maybe we'll have some type of... I've thought about this, and this is me speaking to Adam without having planned this, but you know, maybe we'll have some kind of online registration, which seems so dumb to me. Saying it out loud sounds so dumb. It's like, register to come to church. You had the same thought. So yeah, so anyway, we're going to try to do something where you guys can come, because I know a lot of people are asking, can we come? And uh, you know, I think even now under the restrictions in Georgia that we have right now, a couple people could probably be in here as long as there's enough distance. Um, so I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to get back to life with you, get back to community, get our life groups going, get some, you know, get back into the outreach that we want to do, the interaction. Courtney teaching his Sunday night Bible study uh, as a Karis group. What do you call that? Karis Bible study? Yeah. Youth group, kids church, all the stuff that's going on. I just miss it. I miss seeing you guys. So, all right, I'm going to stop. Thanks for watching today. Thanks for joining. We love you. I pray for you. I, I go back to that Ephesians 1 prayer, and I pray that the eyes of your heart are enlightened, and you can look into that spirit dimension, and you can look into the Word of God, and, and let His Word be alive within you, and you don't disrupt that process with using your carnal eyes to see it into this world that you just let it be so real within you that it just comes out into your life however that works and we know that it's by seed we know that it's in there it's growing and jesus even said he doesn't know how but it bears fruit after its own kind put the right seed in let the word of god be alive within you amen amen love you guys thank you for taking the time to listen to this message and thank you to those of you who support forward ministries financially you truly are changing the way the world sees god you're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.